everyone. Welcome to an episode of Everything is Canon, a Cinelinks podcast. A podcast where we invite marginalized authors from all genres onto the show to discuss their latest books and novels, as well as just about anything else that comes to mind. I'm your host, Steve Dunk, and thanks so much for tuning in. If you want to reach me, there are several ways to do so, but the best way is to email me at steve at cinelinks.com, or you can always find me on Twitter, of course, at stevedunk5 or at everythingcanon. And so, without further ado, let's get the show on the road and meet today's guest. Hi everyone, welcome to the show and a new season of Everything is Canon. As always, around these parts, we continually encourage supporting authors and stories that affirm the lives of people other than ourselves. Each time we either engage in a conversation, whether it be online or face-to-face, or each time we participate in the market with our purchasing choices. A little programming note, uh, if you are a frequent listener, uh, welcome back. Then you know my mandate has been to flip the 89-11 ratio on its head in favor of marginalized authors. Well, starting today with this episode, the show will be 100% exclusively a space for marginalized authors only. If that's not for you, then you are. Uh, then there are plenty of other spaces to seek out. And if you are honest and forthright about trying to be an ally, then I'm confident you'll understand. Alicia Dow is a former pastry chef, food critic, culinary teacher, and youth services librarian when not writing YA sci-fi featuring determined black girls like herself. You can find her having epic dance parties with her daughter, baking, mentoring, or taking teeny adventures around Europe. She released her debut book, The Sound of Stars, in February of 2020, and nothing has happened to the world since. Everything is just fine. We're all fine. She's here today, though, to discuss her latest book, The Kindred, which is described uh, loosely as... To save the galactic kingdom from revolution, kindred mind pairings were created to ensure each and every person would be seen and heard, no matter how rich or poor. Um, one of my favorite authors and people, JL, called it utterly swoony. Uh, I'm forced to agree. Please welcome to the show, Alicia Dow. Hi, Alicia. Hi. <laughs> Why on God's green earth were you not on my show last year? I don't get it. Like, I even mentioned The Sound of Stars in my 2020 end of year show with, like, I had Rebecca Coffendaffer on the show and we wrapped up the year and we were uh-huh. mentioning our favorite books. And I talked about The Sound of Stars. Like, I don't even understand why you weren't on my show. It's not your fault, obviously. It's my fault. <laughs> I didn't reach out, but it makes no sense. I was thinking about that. I was like, it's it could, when I was getting ready for this, uh, which sounds bigger than it is. I really don't do much prep, but <laughs> um, uh, uh, I was like, oh, that's cool. Uh, she's coming back on the show. Like that's, that's seriously what I thought. And I'm just like, wait a second. She wasn't on the show before. It makes no sense. It's, it doesn't make any sense. Cause I, yeah, I really, 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 really enjoyed the sound of stars. It was like on my end of year list. So. Um, wow. That's so cool. And Rebecca Coffendaffer, I'm such a huge fan of theirs. So it's, um, that's amazing. <laughs> they, um, yeah, such yeah. a huge fan. They're one of the, uh, they're one of those authors that, uh, like, they and I have become friends, like, out, yeah. like offline, and um, so we talk frequently. And yeah, it was uh, really cool to have them on. And um, anyone out there, Crown Chasers and Thornbreakers or Thronebreakers, please, um, please pick up Rebecca's books. They are wonderful sci-fi adventures as well. I would probably swoony as well on occasion. I will say that. I'll steal that line from JL. <laughs> I um, think they're so adventurous and fun. And um, the, the pacing is fantastic. And you just kind of fall into it. And you love the, the dialogue. And I'm, yeah, I'm just, 
I'm just a big fan. <laughs> I, I told them I will never forgive them for killing a certain character. But other than that, yeah, I'm a <laughs> big fan. <laughs> if you've read them, then you know what I'm talking about. Yep. Mm-hmm. Um, it's just, that's just me. If like, without even reading, you know, if you haven't read the books of any, whatever, pick a book, pick a series, you, I'll tell you who's going to die by who my favorite character is. <laughs> that's, just the, that's, just the way it goes. that's just the way it goes. I don't know why, just the way it works out. Um, Sound of Stars. <sighs> Did I read something about a sequel or am I thinking of something else? Um, no, there's no sequel for The Sound of Stars. Okay. In that there is no direct sequel for The Sound of Stars, but The Kindred is in the same universe as The Sound of Stars and there may be some crossover there. Well, that's right. So I, I did know that fact that it is the same universe, but for some reason I thought I read somewhere that there was going to be a direct sequel. But anyways... So what are we calling this? We can't call it the MCU. So is it the DCU? Like, is it the, the Dow Cinematic Universe or the Alicia, <laughs> the ACU? What are we talking about here? What are we going to I think it? that works. Yeah. I've never, <laughs> never thought about it, but um, I would love to do a direct sequel, but um, it's, I think it's hard in, in YA sci-fi to do that unless you have like, you did really well. Um, really well or have that ag- agreed to ahead of time. Yeah. Yeah, and it's yeah, it's yeah. not it's not easy to do really well in YA sci-fi. So, um, I mean, some do, but you have to see how it goes. And the Sound of Stars, I'm very very fortunate that has has found an audience mm-hmm. and um, and is doing well now. Um, but you know, debuting in a pandemic, and then mm. you know, you have YA sci-fi, and that's already a little iffy from time to time. So, mm-hmm. it's doing well. I'm excited to see what I can do next. <laughs> well, here's here's the thing. So, yeah, maybe not a direct, but you know, you could sneak in like an indirect sequel, right? Like, just sneak it past. That's basically point. what yeah. I've been doing. <laughs> I think Inkyard is gonna be like, yeah. mm, is Alicia manipulating us the whole time? Um. So, yeah, to your point, there are some. Uh, there is there is some commonalities. In, you know, in this shared universe that you've created, the, the DCU and. Uh, Oh, they see the DCU sounds like DC Comics. We can't do that. Yeah, I know. ACU, Alicia Cinematic Universe. I don't know. We'll figure it out. Um, give us a couple of non-spoiler parts, and I don't want to just shout things out because, in case I do say something that maybe isn't necessarily meant to be shared yet, but is there anything? Give me one or two things that are common to the two books. Then maybe that that's they fair game. Of- yeah. They, they play with, um, you know, the tropes, I think, the, with The Sound of Stars, it's um, enemies to, to lovers, I guess. And um, the kindred is friends to lovers. But you kind of know that going in, I think. Um, you created a new trope, actually. Kindreds to lovers. Maybe. Friends doesn't apply here, does it? We'll talk about we'll talk about why in yeah. a second, but yeah, because kindred is a different. It's a whole new level of friendship. Yeah, it's a whole new level. Yeah, um, I think it's really about it's it's a spacey road trippy adventure again. I think yeah, that's- yeah, for sure. And like a lot of the beats are there, you know, for sure. Like the similarities as far as uh, you know pop culture references, uh, you know, taking place visiting Earth, whether it's for. Uh, you know, vacation or, uh, or hiding, <laughs> I don't know, on the run, whatever you want to call it. Yeah. Um, it's sort of a road trip idea, but yeah, no, there are definitely similarities, but I think 
they could operate apart. And I think the things where you do key in on a little bit, where you do sort of start to understand that it is the same universe, it never like it takes you away from the the story, the individual story, the individual book is what I'm trying to say. Yep. You know what I'm saying? Like they, I think they work so okay. well alone. Thank you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'm glad they do. Yeah, right. It's it's not, you know what I mean? It's not like, oh, I don't know if someone's even asked you this yet. Like, do I have to read The Sound of Stars to get the kindred? I don't, maybe you'll get asked that or not. The answer is no. The, the, no. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, we were talking sort of off air there and, uh, you know, you've got some stuff. Every, this is my stupid fault, but every time I hear food critic, I think of The Simpsons. I don't know if you've ever seen that episode where Homer's a food critic. <laughs> yes, I have. Yep. Yeah. And there's, it's, I, I don't know, it's just one of those moments that's stuck in my brain. It's the, there's a scene where, you know, she's feeding him pork chops and he, he rates her food. He starts, crit, you know, critic critiquing Marge's cooking. And he says, uh, you, you, you've only got two moves, shake and bake or something. And she's like, you like shake and bake. You put it in your coffee. I'm just like, I don't know. I'm just like, <laughs> always remember that. Um, but you are in Germany and you've been there, you were saying 11 years now. Um, uh, is it home? Is Germany home? Because you're from the no, States. Yeah, no, no, it's, I, it's not. But then again, the States isn't either. I think I'm somewhere between the two now. Right. Yeah. Does that feel weird? It's a weird thing. Yeah, yeah, it must. Yeah, for sure. Like, but you're settled though, right? I mean, are you? Maybe not. I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> I guess it depends on how you define settled. I, I, guess, I guess, yeah. Yeah. yeah, I mean, I'm I'm here. I go to the farmer's market every Wednesday morning, Yep, um, which is outside and it's extremely cold. Um, and I, they know me by name or by face. <laughs> and they're like, oh, okay, you're coming for this. And I guess this is where I am. Um, do I love it though? No, not entirely. Yeah. But okay. I don't hate it either. It's, it's a very uh, mixed feeling. And it, just the same as when I go back to the U.S. And I'm like, ah, I'm home, you know, because I can go to Target and I can do these mm. things. Too. but then after a while i'm like oh i gotta go i have to go back to germany now <laughs> so right. i don't know it's funny yeah. how like things make you feel home like target for example or like yeah. um i used to be a, a roadie for punk bands many years ago so i was traveled a lot been all through yeah it's like because i've been to germany a handful of times i've been all through europe and north america and stuff and it's like no matter where you are in the world like there's certain things like if i was in the hotel room it, I just mentioned it. If the Simpsons came on, that just made me feel like, oh yeah, I'm still on earth or I'm still, you know what I mean? Like it, it's so for you, it was like, yeah, like target or whatever for someone else. Maybe it's like Starbucks or McDonald's. I don't know, whatever, but yeah, it's kind of a funny thing. But when, you know, when I think of like, you know, home or whatever, I think the, the important part, and maybe it should be the most important part is, do you feel safe there? Like, do you have a castle? You know what I mean? Like, do you have a space where you, you know, no matter how bad or shitty your day was, when you get home to that space, you just, you're able to relax, to just like breathe, you know? Yeah. Well, I, I thankfully I do have that. And of yeah. course I am about a five minute walk from the castle. Right. <laughs> because of course there's a castle right here. <laughs> yeah, right? Of course. Yeah, that's right. That's right. Yeah, no, it's, I, when I'm inside this, this, you know, we have a little uh, apartment that we rent and it's nice. And right now I'm in the attic. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it's like a closet room that they made, you know? So of course. Is that your um, office? Is that where you write? It's, it's an office area. Yeah. Yep. Um, and it's really comfortable and, you know, it's fine. But uh, there's, there are times when I just want to like go back to what I'm used to. Mm -hmm. 
and I don't know what that really is in a way anymore. So it's it's a it's a fascinating thing, and I think a lot of people who have lived somewhere else for a long time probably experience it. And I should probably ask them what they do. I don't know. I think going home helps, but I can't. I haven't been able to leave in two years. So yeah, it's a weird, weird, weird position to be in. I've talked to a ton of authors. You know, like not that long ago, Rosie Brown, right from Ghana, and you know, we're going and Ayana Gray too, right, going back and and expecting to feel like that's home but then it doesn't and then you're like well i don't really feel at home in the state same as you i don't really feel at home in the states necessarily either so it's it is a weird spot to be in and it's like you start to think about like redefinition redefining what home means and you know it's uh this whole idea of you know home where the heart is or or i'm home wherever you like if your family's with you no matter what if wherever you are if your family's there that's home right so they they say so that's that's an important part too but um any like is is there a plan to ever leave germany or is this it for now for the for the foreseeable future i think we'll we're like always assessing that yeah but my partner is german so it's like one of us will have to give up something (sighs) so it's like a really weird thing that you know and, you know, he's totally fine with that because he's German and he's traveled almost all of his life um, and has been tons of places. Yeah. But I've never, before Germany, I had never really left the country. So right. it, was, it was, a it's weird and it's very complicated. And we have a daughter and, you know, yep. she's like, she went to the U.S. She's been here. She's been there. She's like, okay. She speaks both languages. She reads both languages. So. I don't know. We're, we're assessing and we're seeing, and if we go, it would be for a few years and maybe come back or sure. maybe it's always that we're going to be between two countries. I don't know. Yeah. Well, I mean, 11 years is a long time. I think you've done, done your time, done your, <laughs> done your, your sentence. That's right. It's a great country. In a uh, yeah. We're not making it sound like, you know, <laughs> you're, you're trapped in a prison or anything like that, but uh, um, 11 years is a long time. Yeah. Like I've never lived anywhere even close to that long. I mean, I've been in Canada, but I've lived it, you know, was in California for a bit for sure, but I, I never even lived in the same house for anywhere close to that long or the, even the same city. Right. So yeah. Um, yeah, I think it's, I think you've done your bit. It's time to, uh, you know, I'm sure your partner would understand. It sounds like a understanding person. So, uh, time to let's go right come on pack that pack those <laughs> bags. New, yeah 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 for yeah. sure and that's what life is about keep it in keeping it interesting too it's hard for sure i also don't have kids though so i understand there is a difficulty there with uh it's hard with kids you know when they're in school yeah. and, and stuff like that and friend they get start to get friends and all that stuff for sure yep um so you're in your attic is that uh, sorry is that that's your office sort of slash is that your writing space are you a uh, static like writer as far as like you have your one spot and that's where you write or do you like coffee shops and then maybe a little bit upstairs I will go anywhere anywhere yeah. <laughs> I, I'm anywhere I don't usually get to use the office because since the pandemic started my partner works from home okay right he's like I need a monitor and I need this and I can just write on a laptop so that's right yeah I work wherever I can it's 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 fun um when i get the office i feel very like nice but yeah. it is in fact just an, an oversized closet so. right that's right that's right well i can hear the echo so yeah for sure um it, that's you know i i love asking that question i'm because i'm such a huge process nerd I, I mean a book once it's listen a book is a book i can throw it out burn it do whatever i want with it right it's just a it's it's a product it's art is process and uh i'm fascinated by it and i love talking to authors about their writing space their physical space how they write where they write you know is there a window what's outside their window you know what i mean stuff like that and 
it's always and, and what's great about it is the answer is always different and it's really cool but the only thing i stress is uh just don't write hunched over in your bed on your laptop please because we need your back we need your back and wrists to stay healthy <laughs> for, yes. a lo- for a long career so please if we're going to give any tips it's uh ergonomics okay please back straight r- wrists level <laughs> 45 degrees whatever um but yeah the answer is always different and so i think that's always it's always very interesting to me uh talking about it is that has that always been the way uh, yeah yeah. I, I, you just don't know any different, I guess. Yeah, yeah. yeah, it's it's usually not about the space. It's it's about what's going on in my brain. <laughs> yeah, for sure. Um, yeah, so yeah. If I can just write where I can write at a cafe, I used to be able to anyway. Yeah. Um, and I can write, you know, on an airplane. I can write anywhere. So that's cool. That's that's very. Yeah, that's good too. Because I some I've talked to some who can't. Right, they got their spot and that's it. <laughs> and once yeah. they leave that spot, then. Uh, it's, it makes it hard, but, um, I know it's very important to you. Uh, how's the kitchen set up? Good. Great. Not great. It's tiny. Is it? It's the worst, tiniest kitchen. (laughs) It's so terrible, but I make do because, you know, I have to make. So I swoop into your life. Okay. And I pull, pull you aside and I'm like, Alicia, I've got two houses for them. I'm just going to, I'm going to give you one of these houses. Okay. One has the greatest, wonderful kitchen ever, but no office. The other one has the best private office writing space you can imagine, but the tiniest, shittiest kitchen. Which one do you want? Oh, the kitchen for sure. Yeah, <laughs> nice. That's like hands down, <laughs> I can write at the kitchen too. You know, that's <laughs> true. Good point. Good point. Good point. Um, is that so? You don't do that professionally anymore, do you, or do you still do anything? No, not professionally. No, no. I used no. to. I used to work in New York City. Right. Um, I was. I went to pastry school for four years so yeah i'm i'm good at it <laughs> i think i'm good at it right. um but you know i don't do it anymore be- mostly because it's really hard to keep those hours mm. it's really, really tough and you know the four in the morning to or two in the morning um as a baker and then a pastry chef you're at you're in at like five or six at night until like two in the morning it's it's not fun and i'm getting older so I have to like, you know, I don't want to do that anymore. It's hard on the body, isn't it? Baking, yeah. being a pastry chef, baking and all that. Cause you're right. The hours are terrible. Cause we, you know, because dummies like me come in at seven in the morning and expect everything to be fresh and warm. <laughs> right. <laughs> and, uh, I mean, it's very calm. It's very calm in the morning. As right. A baker. Right. Um, but it, you do get tired and your whole day shifts because that's you're you're up at three or two in the morning. Well, and you're standing the whole time. Uh, yeah. Most right. Or most of it you know, your, your forearms, wrists, hands, like I have to think anyone who bakes or does pastry is pastry chef long enough. There's gotta be arthritic issues and, uh, you know, sorts of all sorts of sort of physical ailments that come with that job. Like most any job has a, a physical ailment that's unique to it. Right. Yeah. I mean, you are standing the whole time. I yeah. don't think I that on the job. I don't think I get to do that. So, right. And there are times, but if you're working in chocolate, like for instance, I am very good in chocolates. Um, it's you are bent over your back is going to be really hurting after mm-hmm. a few hours and then you're going home and you're exhausted and your body hurts and it's like you have to do that again and again right and again. right so, yeah, yeah yeah you're like you you're like that's well that was a really hard day I can't wait to never do it again and then you're like oh no yeah. I gotta do it again every day yeah 
Um, yeah, it, I mean, but there is a nice, there's like, a, it feels like you're dancing, you know? Mm. Um, when I was a pastry chef. That's such a nice way to put it. Yeah, it's nice. It's yeah. um, When I was a pastry chef in New York City and I was working in like Bryant Park area, um, I was doing the line, you know, the pastry line, and you're only doing that alone usually. So it's me alone just making beautiful plates of food. And it's, it's, it's really nice. I don't know. It, you're really tired, of course, but it's this whole process and your brain is going, okay, I need to do this and this and this. And you just, you go with it. And that goes on for hours and you feel great after for a little bit. And then you realize you're really tired, but um, it's, there's yeah. something really nice about that. There's something nice about it, but I don't miss it. Did you like, yeah, it's like, it sounds like you would get into sort of like a, a, a rhythm a cadence yeah. a cadence almost did you ever like play music or something that like helped you helped your meter as you were making make, going through this process or anything like that or did you just like quiet and i i could anything i quiet music anything. didn't matter sometimes okay they don't okay allow you to listen to music oh right yeah i guess yeah, yeah. but then sometimes you can and you're just like ah, oh, that's nice that is cool yeah really cool i like the way you put that um I was I was just uh, just before you came on, I was sort of just skimming through your uh, FAQ list there, your frequently asked questions, and uh, this is how stupid I am. The one thing, <laughs> baby boom, I love baby boom, <laughs> and I have no idea, like I can't even really explain it because I don't like Diane Keaton necessarily. Uh, uh, Sam Shepard, I think the guy's name is. I I not like a fan of the kit. You know what I mean? Like it's it's I don't know if it's like the you can have it all messaging that I like, or, you know what I mean? Or, or whatever. Yeah. I don't know. I'm with you though. Not I've... that thing though. Right. And I like the idea of this person making applesauce in Vermont. I don't know. Is that, that would, yeah. <laughs> I mean, this, it, it is a very like sort of uh, romantic notion, isn't it? Right. Like, yeah, uh, you I know, think that's it. But I also don't really love Diane Keaton and I don't really care about, you know, the veterinarian in it. I don't really care about any of that. I like the idea of like, getting away and just doing a new path with your life yeah which i guess is a theme for me and all my books okay. and my life so that's right that's right um what was the name of this what did she what was the name of the food something baby oh they didn't I call it what the fuck was it? country anyway. baby country oh good for you country baby yeah nice god what a funny movie that is eh? it's like it only happened it's yeah who was Anyways, yeah, see, now I'm thinking about it. Um, but it's true, though. Like, if, if I'm flipping around and it's on, I'll watch it. I'll be like, yeah, baby boom. Um, I, don't, I don't know. The, ba the baby is very cute. That is, like, yeah. you well, the that's the cutest she's child on, She's ever. on the label. She's got to be cute. Yeah, <laughs> like, it's uh, it's so funny. And then, of course, it's great. The, I think, you know, what scene I'd like, too, is when she sort of sticks it to, was it James Spader, who plays, like, the young, snotty exec who's, like, yeah. a dick to her and then is, like, kissing her ass, and then she gets the up. Anyway, it's just a nice sort of, like, upper hand scene. I love right? that. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, and then she's, like, you think she's going to take, anyways, uh, spoiler alert for anyone who's seen Baby Boom. It came out 100 <laughs> years ago. But anyways. All right. Um, so... Uh, you squeeze a lot of messaging into the kindred as you did with sound of stars, I think, but there's a lot of messaging in the kindred. Um, and it might not be obvious necessarily to some people. I think, I think the breezy romantic side of this book might overshadow or abate some of the, some of it for some of the readers, um, because it is very swoony. JL is, is absolutely correct, but, uh, <laughs> but I'm, I'm here to make sure that doesn't happen necessarily because, because I think the messaging is, 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 uh, 
is important. And there's some interesting things in this book that I really want to discuss. And I think the easiest, most obvious one that every reader is sort of going to think about, or maybe even ask themselves is the kindred program. Like, would you do it? <laughs> so um, I think the first, we got to start with a definition, don't we? So what's uh, what is the kindred program? So the kindred program was created to make sure that everyone has a voice. Everyone is um, represented in a way or heard in a way. Um, and it happens when a new a child is born and they get a chip implanted in their head that has a corresponding chip that's implanted into a baby's head somewhere else in, in this system, the Monterey system. So they will always kind of be in each other's head. They can communicate. They can see what the other one sees. They can um, share memories, share thoughts. And I mean, it's, it sounds like a great idea, right? If, if you, <laughs> so you never really feel alone and you always feel like you're connected to someone else. Um, it's an interesting idea. I would absolutely not do it, but also, <laughs> but also it really, really kind of fucking depends on who your kindred is. Like, yeah. sure. If you get matched up with a cool, awesome Prince dude, great. Right. Or an interesting <laughs> book nerd who's artistic and wonderful and pure. Great. But you, you know, a couple of times in the books, there are some, you know, there is this, I know they try and sort of match well, but I mean, what if you get matched with a fucking asshole with a piece of shit? I mean, you're really fucking in trouble, aren't you? So yeah. there's that risk, isn't there? So I, I'm, I mean, I, I'm a hard no. What about you? Would you, is that something you think I, you'd. I, if I'm, if I believe in the universe that I created <laughs> and yes, I would do it because I love the idea that you will always have a connection. But yeah. if you really, if you really, really think about it, it could be very dangerous. Yeah. And it could be way too much for someone. It's it's kind of a Rorschach situation, isn't it, in a way where it's really good. It's a lit litmus test for like what type of person you are. So clearly I'm cynical, <laughs> you know, uh, a bit of a downer, um, uh, you know, maybe don't necessarily want to have someone in my head while I'm showering or, <laughs> you know what I mean, or doing whatever else, you know, humans do with their free time, which can sometimes get very weird, right? Let's be honest. Mm -hmm. Um, we all do weird shit that we don't really want other people to see or know about. Um, whereas it sounds like, yeah, you, you know, you have uh, this more sort of optimistic view of things uh, generally. I won't say all the time because I don't know you, but uh, yeah, like, so maybe I could see somebody who, who has, is a little more empathetic and has, you know, a hopeful, you know, point of view would be into something like that where um it'd be nice to have a shared experience with somebody to truly, cause I mean, I, you're right. It is talk about, uh, we can say, Oh, we connect with people our, all our lives, all we want. But I mean, that's, that's a whole different level, isn't it? That's, <laughs> that's another level. Yeah. Right. I love the idea of it. Yeah. I mean, you're not, you're going to, you're going to have that from the moment you're born. Mm -hmm. You're It's going to shape you in a lot of ways for better or for worse. Right. Uh, and I love the idea of it. And I love the idea that you could be connected and that you could share even your tiniest, weirdest secrets with someone else and they could judge you for it or they might not. Maybe right. they, you know, it's just an accepted fact with them. Um, I love that. But then there is that flip side where it's like, ooh, <laughs> that's right. I have to share everything with this person. And I don't know if I like them. I don't, I, I mean, I'm there with them the whole time. So I can, I'm shaping them as much as they're shaping me. 
That's right. And the thing is, when you have access to someone's in like inner monologue into their inner thoughts, I mean, that's that's some weird, dangerous shit. I mean, I don't know. Like, I mean, that can that again talk about a slippery slope, right? And that can go one of two ways. Now, like, listen, if you are gonna like one hundred percent guarantee that I'm gonna get matched with a Joy Abara, fine. No problem, because I am Team Joy, like the greatest, coolest. She's got great taste, book nerd, like artistic, empathetic, wonderful, beautiful, like, you know, inside and out. I'm talking like, yeah, right. Sign me up. No doubt. Sign me up. I'm optimistic and she's optimistic and Uh she has a sunshiny way of life. I mean, that's like, you know, when you think of a program like this, where how it would benefit, I mean, ideally you would almost want to match you want, it's like, you want to match opposites, hoping they balance each other out in a way I suppose. But at the same time, it's like, um, it, you don't want to necessarily match two people who uh, you don't want, like, you don't want someone to like, feel like they're like, they're being matched because someone's less than. Right. Like you don't want like if someone like let's let's put it this way. I'm gonna be totally honest. If somebody matched me with joy, I would be like, okay, so like you just think I'm a piece of shit and you hope joy you hope joy rubs off on me. <laughs> like, right? Like is that that's what's happening. That's clearly what's happening. It's like in math class when they like match you up with the best in the class with the worst in the class, right? Um, it's kind of it's just it's you know, that's how I would think about it. I'd be like, because my mind, that's the way my my brain works. But um um, but it wouldn't be because you wouldn't know who Joy is until true enough. You know, it's like right. you have no idea who you're matched with until you start to know them, and that could take years. It could, and that's an interesting part too. And you do sort of, you know, you you do a little bit of time jumping here, and and you know, we we see them as children, as younger children, and um, those would be interesting years, wouldn't it? Like the eight, nine, ten, eleven years, you know, where how the kindred thing would would play out. But you're right, you know, when when geez, when puberty hits like fuck me it's all it's 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 gonna get really interesting isn't it um uh by the way i'm not gonna read the summary and i'm not gonna ask you what the book's about if people want to know it it, keep that's online right people can read that anywhere um it's it's widely available for them to read it's it's an interesting uh summary for sure it's a well-written one actually i'm a a bit of a summary nerd and it it is done well but um uh there's another thing I want to talk about. Um, so in the in the book, you do you say this line? Uh, well, not you. Joy says it, and that means so. Quote: This is in 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 res here, but and that means marrying well, even if that's the death of my own dreams. And there's another line where you say, "I wish I could have seen more of the universe and found my calling in life. Like maybe I could have been a creator, an author, an illustrator. Maybe I'd paint gorgeous pictures to accompany my words. Maybe, maybe, maybe." So. Just the words I wish and the words maybe breaks my goddamn heart. Um, and that's just plot. That's not a spoiler. You don't know which way it's going to go. But this strikes me as stuff that's happening. It, it is happening all around the world in real time, isn't it? These issues of whether it's people being um, forced into a situation, whether it's marriage or any, it could be anything. Um, where, or even just this, you know, a, a situation where someone is is forced to maybe give up their own dreams because maybe they got, they got pregnant too young or maybe because I don't know, maybe they're unfortunate. They lost a parent or both parents really young and that can change the course of somebody's life. Right. Where, where a big sister becomes the, the adult all of a sudden say to a younger sister or brother, right. Because they have to take control of the situation because the parents aren't around anymore. It's just about having to give up sort of a piece or an, an entirety of who you are. 
talk about that in the book because it's really important and it comes up a lot in this book about especially with uh with the way certain planets work right mm-hmm. i i think i look at it in a way that joy feels this duty to her culture and to to tradition mm-hmm. even when she doesn't agree with it she feels she has to comply with it because she cares deeply about her people and she cares deeply about her homeworld, even though she knows that has been manipulated against her. So it's, she feels as if there is no way out. She has to do what she's told in order to do the right thing for her people and for her country, well, for her planet. And there's a deep sadness with that as well. And she feels, and it causes some kind of, you know, a bit of a chasm between her and Felix because he does not have to deal with that. He has to deal with his other things, but he can kind of appearingly do whatever he wants. And I, I look at it that way where it's when you're young and you're black for me, especially it's the dreams that I had that I didn't think were possible or I was told I couldn't do them because one, I I grew up super poor, um, you know, and, we were on welfare. We were on all of that. My mom was on, you know, was disabled and she was a single parent. So it was just a lot growing up and feeling like I have to do what's right for my family. And that means doing well in school, which means, you know, getting into college and doing all these things. And I think I, I must've put that in with joy too, because it was, you know, she feels this great need to, to do well by everyone. But at the same time, she, has these thoughts of what can I do for me? And there's really nothing. She doesn't think she can. And Felix is the one who's like, but you can't. And it's just this kind of, she needs to get it through her head a lot where it's, you know, it's not always about everyone else. Sometimes it can be about you. Does that make sense? It does. And the reason I mentioned it, brought it up is because I wanted to ask you specifically, and you talk, you just talked a little bit about there um, because yes, you are a black, uh, black woman and i have no doubt <laughs> that you faced a lot of fucking bullshit uh discrimination on on, on all different levels whether whether it was being a black or being a woman or both um and you know your dreams don't matter or don't count right there's a certain amount of 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 uh, sacrifice that uh, women have to make in black women especially um bipocio women for sure um and you have a daughter and i'm just curious you worry about that for her and if you know if anything that you've experienced specifically is something that you've you know wanted to and like you it sounds like you did a little bit with joy right maybe consciously or unconsciously but injected that into it where yes she is in in, in this book especially and it's easy for felix to say because men aren't being asked to do this yeah it's like in real life it's only ever fucking women that are being asked to do it to give up, to sacrifice, to do this, to do that, right? In the name of whether it's having kids, raising a family, whether it's, or whether it's just even more, you know, seditious and evil is just like, you're just, you just don't matter as much. So who the fuck gives a shit what you used to say or think? So in a lot of ways, Joy's journey and her arc strikes me as incredibly important non-canon. You know what I mean? It's, I mean, I'm a care. I think, as I've gotten into writing more and more, I realize that I'm a character person. Mm, you are big time. You, your character secondary. work is fantastic in both books. Yeah. 
Um, and I've, I've tried to not do that. I am trying, but it's like, I don't know. I always go right into the characters. I want to know them. I want to know why they make the decisions they make. Yeah. And Joy was, writing Joy was really fun because she is um, more optimistic than I am. Mm. And she definitely believes in the good of things where I don't always. And I love that about her. And writing her was so was really fascinating. And I, I think when I was writing it, I was thinking about all these things that I've experienced and the things I thought I had to give up or I did give up. And now I'm, you know, I'm a mom, like you said, um, and I have an eight-year-old. And she doesn't have to give up anything. She doesn't know any of that. She doesn't know that life that I had because it's already totally different for her. And it's wild <laughs> for me to see that. And be like, well, you have piano lessons today and she loves piano, but I could never have learned piano when I was, you know, that was never a possibility for me. I love music, but I could never do it. So it's just, you know, she doesn't know what it's like to not have food. She doesn't know what it's like not to have clothes. She doesn't know what it's like to have to make, you know, like, oh, I can't get that toy at the store because, you know, we don't have money for that. It's just a different mentality altogether. And, you know, there are moments where I kind of, I feel lost because I don't know how it is to be the mom in that situation, but I also don't know what it would, what it's like to raise a child who doesn't have any of these issues. And then, you know, when you write books, it's very easy to like make a whole universe and all this, and you can, you can build anything you want. And then you still kind of manage to write in those dilemmas. And that was me writing that dilemma that, you know, what are you going to give up? What do you, what do you have to choose? Who do you want to be? And who do you have to be? And Joy is kind of grappling with that a lot. And I think that's what I grapple with as well. So um, a lot of mind stuff going on. Yeah. Well, I mean, listen, we, you know, unless you're writing just purely like, unless you're just fucking writing Lord of the Rings or something, I guess. I mean, there's always like, you know, unless you're writing something entirely speculative, like, you a lot of your writing i guess kind of either to your own life experience not you know that this is you know joy isn't you necessarily but you're writing to your own life experience or uh or what you see out your front window a lot of times right so um you know if if things happen to sneak in i guess then uh you know for lack of a better word then so be it but i just think that makes the, the story that much better because you know when that because i'm so because i am i'm very pro author and when i and if i'm reading a book and i if my brain starts to like alert, alert myself to the fact that uh, I feel like I'm learning something about the author while I'm reading this book as well, even before I even spoken to them, I get a real kick out of that. And I, I, that to me, that adds so much weight to the story. Um, not that I feel like entitled to know anything about you. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> but, know, uh, but uh, you know, I, cause I'm not one of those weird people that, thinks now you know i'm not going to show up on your door next week hey remember me um uh but it's it adds that much more weight and and i just think it's i think it's a real honest way to approach storytelling i really do and especially uh because i mean this is sort of i mean it's a, it's not contemporary necessarily i guess but it sort of is right like it's it's a reflection of the real world it's a reflection of the real world right so i mean it's it, there's certain things you can't avoid um it, I thought it was really profound, really important. Joy's Joy's a fucking powerhouse in this book. Um, she's fantastic. Um, Thank 
one of the other things too of talking about just sort of reflections of society and and uh I mean, Rashid is great, great character too. And he has a great line about welcome to America where old white men want to protect their interests more than kids. Wait till you find out how they treat black, Asian and transgender folks. Our history's fucked up and our present and most likely our future as well. I added that because <laughs> uh, even, I mean, it's always, that line is always fucking relevant. It has been relevant since 1619 and, uh, uh, but the past couple of weeks in particular, right? I don't know if you follow the American news or whatever, but uh, just with the shooting and yeah. and, and uh, even just the, the transgender stuff trending again yesterday because of some of them, I won't even say their name, but uh, yeah. it's always relevant, isn't it? And I think about this a lot, a lot, a lot, too much probably, and, and clearly you do as well. And whether it's whether it's a visit from a far away, like sentient alien who, who has a sense of like decency, morality, or, or maybe our future selves looking back at us, like what would they think? You know what I'm saying? Like how would they react to the way we've treated the planet and each other and how we continue to treat the planet and each other knowing it's to our own detriment, isn't it? Right? Like there's no uh, benefit to treating other people like shit. There isn't not if you look at it in a reasonable, like, and I'm talking about like strip, strip away the emotional part of it. Right. There's no logical sense to it. And of course, there's no logical sense to treating the planet the way we do. That was a that was a theme in Sound of Stars as well, isn't the kindred? Is that something you think about a lot? It seems like you do. I think a lot. <laughs> My <laughs> characters do too. Yeah. And I think one of the biggest reasons I do that, and there is, if there are messages in there, um, and I'm conscientious of it, it's because I am writing for teens, with teens, yeah. about teens, um and they are thinking about it so i it would be i think it would be disingenuous to write a story where teens are just like having a great time and they're not thinking about the world and they're not thinking about anything that they are going to face with climate change or they're already facing as a, a black person a bipoc person anything so i think it makes sense that they are having this i know that i i mean i get a lot of hate mail so um, I've gotten quite a bit and a lot of them are from conservative people who are very uh, upset that I don't reflect their, you know, notions or ideals or anything like that. And I usually don't care too much about it, mostly because I, I really do believe that I am writing for teens about teens and they care. Um, and I'm, I'm, my target audience isn't a, you know, a, 50 year old woman in, you know, Arkansas or something. It's, it's not in my brain. That's not happening. I'm writing a That's story. That's next, about, right? Yeah. yeah. Alicia Dow's next book, the 50 year old <laughs> white woman in Arkansas. You know, it's uh, great that they read it. I'm very happy that anybody finds this no matter the age, whatever. Yeah. Um, but I can't reflect things that, um, that aren't true. Yeah, well, it's right? not true. Let's and be honest. You wouldn't be honest. If I'm writing a, a black teen boy in, in uh, Florida, that's just not going to be true for him. That's, That's just right. not, yeah. I can't do that. And I think people uh, want me to, to write more um, broadly about it, but it just doesn't make sense for me personally. And I don't imagine I will <laughs> ever. So please don't. And to those people, those people can just fuck right off, but uh, write your own book, right? That's what I would say to them. You don't like it, write your own book. And there's, listen, there's hundreds of years of an infinite amount of books which I think they might enjoy. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> like, you're good. You're well covered. Like we could stop, you know, like white people could stop writing books today 
and just inertia alone in the publishing industry would we would still have enough white written white based books for the next fucking 40 years right so yeah no those people can just fuck off but uh you know, there's a time and a place for a lot of these and yeah you know we'll I'm I'm I think my point is there's just the market is flooded with that type with the, with those stories, yeah. right? And, and I have to reflect the characters, and if I'm doing any kind of contemporary character, I just don't see how I could write that a different way. I just don't see. It. Well, you would be you would be being dishonest, and I would call you out on it. So don't do that. Um, <laughs> I think about that too a lot of times with books that are going to be coming out in the next couple of years, right? Because there are going to be contemporary stories told uh, during the pandemic, quote unquote, right? Capital P. Um, and I wonder about that because can you honestly write a contemporary story and ignore it? Because it is such a huge thing, right? Like it's too big to ignore, isn't it? And because it doesn't matter what city or town or part of the world you're in, it's it has affected it. And I'm curious to see what kind of, I've read a couple of books now, 20 from 2022 that are coming out that have talked, that talk about it. And it could be as simple as, or my friends and I are going out to dinner. Hold on. I forgot. I got to grab my mask or, you know what I mean? It doesn't have to be the focus of the story, of course, but it's going to be interesting to see if, uh, how that is integrated into contemporary stories as books start to come out this year and next year. Um, and then some, some are going to ignore it. I think, I mean, a lot of, from what have I, I've experienced, I, I think I put two references to the pandemic yep. in the kid. Yep. Um, but they were very short little things. Yeah. But I had to get an I had to get that okayed. You know, I had to right because you you're dating yourself. But I also again I ha- I struggle with not being able to put something truthfully in there. Um, so it had to be mentioned, and I'm glad my editor agreed. And, you know, Inky yeah. agreed. But I do know that a lot of contemporary are just going to be like, nope, I don't want to touch it. Doesn't have, yeah. And like I said, it doesn't, it doesn't have to be the focus, right? It can just, no. like I said, it could be like, uh, oh, we couldn't get into this restaurant because of the seating capacity. And that could be it. That could be the beginning and end of, of the mentioning of it, right? But uh, it'll just, I'm, I'm curious to see how authors handle it. And there's not going to be a right or a wrong way, of course, but I, just like I said. And, and so then to your point, what we're talking about is how can you have a Black person living in today's United States and not acknowledge what the fuck is happening, right? Like, I just don't, I, so this is to your point in a defense of you, obviously. So it's, it would make no sense. Um, but I think about that a lot. Yeah, like people, how people would view us, whether it's a different species from a faraway place or our future selves looking back and being like, you fucking did what? <laughs> like, right? You did you did what to those people? And these are all like mind dependent concepts, aren't they? Like, like categories, even just sex, like male, fe- it is a bit of a spectrum. It's not just male, female, there's others, but um, you know, if you go by chromosomes, but even just that, that's a mind dependent concept, isn't it? Like if there was no humans, the universe wouldn't identify or categorize anybody that, or anything that way, would they? It's just, this is just us. And we get stuck when you get stuck on definitions like this, you really get yourself in trouble, a lot of trouble. And I really, really, really wish, wish we would sort of like broaden things like that. Even just, even if it meant just a little bit of broadening on some of these definitions would make life so much better for so many marginalized people, wouldn't it? And, uh, and, and we just refuse to fucking do it because we're stupid. We're just bags of water. (laughs) i approached with the sound of stars of of aliens coming to earth and being like oh wow they really messed this up (laughs) yeah Um, right right and i had fun with that 
but there's also like this kind of hint of like, well, these are growing pains, right? You know, like this it's a is young, it's a young planet. Works. Yeah, yeah. It's young. They make yeah. mistakes and all that, and that's me trying to be optimistic, even though I am not. Um, but then when I'm writing it, it's you know you don't want to be too, you don't want to lack hope either, and I try to make sure that there is a very hopeful message with each book that there's you there's something to be taken away and it should be positivity that things can always change. Well, there's a utility to that because uh, who the fuck wants to read depressing shit all the time? Right? <laughs> so like, you know what I mean? So there's just a practicality to that as well as a writer, as somebody who wants to sell books as well. Right. I mean, you know, it's uh, I mean, and there are books out there for sure like that, but uh, you know, it's, it's, you can go, go deep and dirty and dark as you want, but yeah, you're right. I mean, if you don't, just crack the door a little bit, let a, just a little bit of light in. I mean, people are just going to just tune out, I think, wouldn't they? But because, I mean, it's ultimately it's it's escapism, isn't it? Right. So, um, yeah, I mean, if, that goes back to the to your question before. It's people are afraid to put the pandemic in because what if it triggers some kind yeah. of that feeling of helplessness and hopelessness? Well, um, well, especially since we're still in the middle of it, it'd be one thing if we're we, still if, in if we're it. Straight. We don't know what it's gonna well, if and, it ever ends. And have we been yeah. allowed to properly grieve yet? I mean, I personally don't know anyone that's died from it, but I know people that know people that do. And I mean, until it's hard to separate yourself from something that's still going on, obviously. And until we're allowed to sort of like properly get past it and grieve for the, I mean, what is it like? It's almost isn't it like almost three million people in the world now? The death toll. Um, until we're allowed to properly grieve and understand that you're right. I don't, you know, it almost might have to be a TW, a trigger warning, doesn't it? Like if you are going to include something, because maybe so, you do know somebody that's affected in a very serious fatalistic way. And maybe you don't want to be reminded of it while you're reading a book. I mean, that's, that's the issue, right? Yeah. You know, yeah. You know, I'm writing a book. It's, it should, you should escape your life. You should be able to put yourself into different characters and their yeah. adventures. But if you're writing contemporary, then you have to be like, but, but do yeah. I reflect the world we're in or do right. I reflect the world that I want us to be in? True enough. Yeah, yeah it's tricky. And uh, that's why you're an author. And that's why I talk to authors, because I don't fucking know. <laughs> <laughs> I don't have the answers. That's your job. Um we'll get you out of here in a few more minutes, but I did want to talk about, uh, there's some wonderful, I mean, you, geez, you, there's just, there's an entire paragraph where you just mention a ton of great authors, uh, because it is a real contemporary world. And, and, uh, joy is a re is a reader and, and she meets somebody, Sarah, who's also a big reader. The, the, your supporting cast is fantastic. And, uh, there's just a great paragraph where you just mention all these authors and it's just, it's just amazing to me because they're, they're all my favorite authors too. And uh, all their books on my shelves are lined with their books. And there's, there's a little, correct me if I'm wrong. One of the, there's an, uh, a Foucault drop as well, I think, uh, in the book, yeah. not Jordan, but you use a Foucault on another character. So I was, I picked up on that one as well, but anyways, one of the, I, I always put a little nod yeah, to somebody. Yeah. Deanna Gray is in there. Yeah. Uh, she's the mom. <laughs> it's like I, uh, little names here and there. Yeah. I got to meet Ayana at Yalfest finally face to face. And uh, we just, yeah, like just hugged for like 10 minutes. <laughs> it was amazing. It was just so nice. To, there was such a sense of that at, at Yalfest. Like every, almost every panel, at least one author just would stop whatever they were talking about and say, you know what? I just want to say how nice this is. You know what I mean? Just to be able to like see people again. And, and it's really great. Um, anyways, one of the supporting characters that I liked very much, uh, which will sound odd at first, but Maxon. Um, 
not liked as in like as in I want to hang out with him, but um, very intrigued by him. I think he's one of the more complex characters in the book, actually. It, please, I, don't, I don't think he's a villain. He's, no, me, I, you're he's right. You're, no, you're right. And that's kind of what I want to bring up here um, because he's a loyalist. He's dedicated to his cause, isn't he? And does he go about it the wrong way? Sure. Um, but if you take him on face value, he's a, he's kind of just a patriot, isn't he? Uh, he's a very loyal to, to his home planet. Again, not condoning actions and stuff like this, but is, is that right? Like sort of heart in the right he's, place? He's loyal. He yeah. cares. And it's it's the same way Joy is because they know how they know how much their planet has suffered because of you know over the years after what happened. Yeah. So they're loyal and they want to make their world better, but they just are going about it two very different ways. Um, and I, I love I love that character in a way because you just ah you drive me crazy, but at the same time, it's like yeah okay I get where you're coming from. Yeah. And there's a kind of um, the similarity is, you know, in the sound of stars, there's Orsa who mm-hmm. is also very complicated. You think she is a villain and she can be very villainous, but she also really just wants to be seen as an equal. And for Maxon, it's also that it's, I want my homeland to be on the same level as everyone else's. I want us to do better. When I listen, I'm always on board when I, I don't like being placed in binary choices, right? With characters, right? Like good or bad, right? Because that's not what life is like. Life is messy and gray. And I love morally gray characters. Talk about Jordan. Uh, my favorite character in all of publishing in 2020 was the lady from, uh, from her book from Ray Bear. And uh, like, I, that's the type of, character that i'm drawn to again maybe don't want to hang out with them (laughs) but don't you know but like it's i just love complicated and messy and maxon is complicated for sure and you're right he's not a villain he's just but it's such an interesting character and i love he's this he's just to me characters like that provide balance provide you know levity for me and i really really appreciate that when i'm reading a story because you can get caught up in all the like grand gestures of of whatever right whether it's romance or fighting for to save the universe or you know idealism or whatever and and it gets sometimes you need somebody down the middle don't you it's just to sort of like center you and balance you and that's really important for me as a reader especially is, is that important to you when you're writing a story yeah i don't i don't always i think there's a lot of choices that are made you know and some yeah. are good and some are bad but I don't usually think of the characters as good or bad. They're just right. people who are deciding things and doing what they think may be right at the time. Mm-hmm. And they're going to make mistakes. Yep. But, you yeah. know, I think Maxon is one of those characters that I, I sat down and I wrote and I knew that he was just going to be this obstacle for Joy and for her to understand, you know, where she's from and what she wants to do. And how how they have very similar ideas, but they just can't seem to understand each other with it. With it, and it's it's really different. It's I liked writing that. I don't want to always write a villain. I don't always. I mean, with the Sound of Stars, it really isn't. There's a villain, but it's you know you're never really face to face with it. Right. Um, I love that because you don't always need that one villain to just drive the story. Sometimes it's just people who are just choosing 
aside or choosing what they're going to do next. And it's not always going to be the right thing. Mm -hmm. Totally agree. Um, you know, I, I will say though that Maxon does say one or two things that will make you want to fucking punch him in the face, but, (laughs) 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 but like you just get it, but it's like that, like that deliciousness, right. Of a character where you're just like, Oh, this guy's so, you know, like, Oh, it's great. He, 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 you know, he makes you, God, that's such, and that's just a compliment. It's not even a question. It's just a compliment to you. Like, you know, when it, when it, you know, you, you, you read a lot of books, you know, when a character just does that to you, eh? like just get, you get a reaction out of somebody for something like that. It's so great. That's what it's all about. That's why I love reading. Uh, you don't get that. I don't get that in, in uh, visual media the same way that I do when I read a book. I don't know why I just don't. And I love it's because of characters like Max and where I'm just like, Oh yeah, this guy. So, you know, it's like, Hmm, let's, let's see what he's doing. Yeah. Um, so January 4th, this book comes out, um, it's kicking off the new year. Pretty exciting. <sighs> Alicia, this book has a kind of a cliff. It's not a cliffhanger, but I mean, it's, you definitely imply some, you know, there's more story to tell. I think, is there anything you can say about that? <laughs> I guess you're going to be, a, I don't know. I mean, like, are, are you, are you, are you contracted for more? Like what's the, deal? I have another book coming out with Inkyard. Okay. I don't know if I'm allowed to talk about it yet. Okay. If that's all you'd like um, to say, then that's fine. I won't, I'm not here. But to I can say, I can say if it all goes well, yeah. <laughs> and my editor seems to like the direction I'm taking it, you will have a conclusion to the sound of stars and the kindred. Okay. That's, yeah. that's great to hear because I mean, yeah, like I definitely, you know, I think you could, uh, this isn't like Jade Fire Gold, right? I don't know if you read June uh, Seal Tan's. June, yeah, yeah. Uh, 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 Tan, June Tan. Um, like she only signed up for one book and that clearly needs to be more books there. So, you know, it's like, it's too bad. I feel so bad for her because I really want more. But uh, but there's definitely, I think I think these books, I mean, I could, I could, I could probably walk away from the, uh, the ACU, the Alicia Cinematic Universe and feel okay, but... I mean, there's clearly more. You've, you don't need to be a genius to know that your brain is filled with a lot of good ideas still. And uh, it'd be really nice to see those. I mean, I write a lot of weird stuff. Right. And I think everybody so far, everyone I've talked to has been like, you write very weird books <laughs> or you write really quirky books. And I had at the beginning, I thought that's not a compliment. I'm not sure if that's a good thing. Um, but as I've gotten used to it over the years, I'm like, oh, OK, well, maybe that is what I do. Um, I love sci-fi. I love the idea of having a, uh, you know, a universe there and building on it. Um, and I'm having a lot of fun with it. I mean, I, I have a middle grade coming out in 2023, which is like foodie fantasy. And I have more things coming that are in different genres and different age groups. So I've, I've been busy. I have a lot of ideas and I would love to um, kind of, finish the sound of stars yeah, right you're ready to move way. right you're ready to move on well you've been you're like that's the oh. thing like it's like not move on i don't mean the bad like like that you hate it i just mean like you've been living with it for a long time because we you know long a lot longer than we've been reading it about it right so um and you've it's got all so- about what you're allowed to do i mean right 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 when you again when you write in a in ya sci-fi it is a harder sell mm-hmm. 
And you have to really find your audience and you have to do well in it in order for them to give you more and allow you to do more. Yeah. And I think the sound of stars has allowed me, (laughs) allowed me to do the kindred. And I hope the kindred is going to allow me to do one more thing in that universe. I'm really just playing it by ear at this moment. Um, but I, I am contracted for a third book. So I, I hope that's what um, I get to put out into the universe. I really hope so. <laughs> well, I hope so too. I mean, if sci-fi is about anything, it's about exploration, isn't it? And, and you know, making us, pushing us to, to see and, and hear and taste and do things that, you know, we didn't necessarily think we wanted to do or taste or see or feel. And, you know, your books do that very, very well. And uh, there is, there is, it's not just an implied larger universe in your stories right there's an obvious one so yeah let's uh let's get that third book going people um <laughs> i uh i can't thank you so much i know this yeah this this will come out the week release but we are talking before the holidays there and i can't thank you enough i know it's a busy time of year alicia so thank you so much have a thank wonderful wonderful holiday and um have a great release i know release days are always exciting and you won't get any sleep i'm sure but um uh, this will come out probably that week, but probably after the release day. So I assume any events and anything you've got going on, you will update on your beautiful website. And, uh, and if I remember, yes, I yes, remember. of course, that's right. And socials and any anywhere else you're on. I know you're you're um, you're on. I think uh, everything, aren't you? Social wise, right? Twitter and uh, Instagram and. Uh, so I'm you sure would, you'll you'll provide updates. And sure. any events and launch things you've got going on, you'll provide. I'm sure, right? Yeah. Perfect. Awesome. Well, thank you so much and uh, enjoy the rest of your day and year. Thank you so much again also for having me. And this has been a real pleasure. I really appreciate it. Thank you. There you have it. Another episode of Everything is Canada all wrapped up. Huge thanks to Alicia for stopping by. The Kindred is out now, so head on over to alisadow.com for more information, including any upcoming launch events. You can, of course, find her in all the usual spots, Twitter, Instagram, TikTok, etc. As always, be sure to subscribe to the podcast wherever you choose to listen and head on over to cinelinks.com for the latest movie, TV, books, and gaming news. Please continue to be safe out there. Bye for now. And, 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 and there's no objection. <laughs>